1: Bonjour Mesdames and messieurs. good morning ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique sur les résultats financiers du quatrième trimestre et de l'exercice 2020 de WSP. Welcome to WSP's fourth quarter and fiscal 2020 results conference call. I would like to now turn the meeting over to Quentin Weber, advisor, Investor Relations. A vous la parole. Please go ahead, Mr. Weber.
2: Good morning. We hope that you're all safe and doing well. Thank you for taking the time to join the call during which we will be discussing our Q4 and fiscal 2020 performance, our outlook for 2021, followed by a Q&A session. With us today are Alexandre Leroux, our President and Chief Executive Officer, and Alain Michaud, our Chief Financial Officer. Please note that this call is also accessible on our our website via webcast. During the call, we will be making some forward-looking statements and actual results could be different from those expressed or implied. We undertake no obligation to update or revise any of these statements. Relevant factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from those forward-looking statements are listed in our most recent management discussion and analysis. Also, during the call, we may refer to certain non-IFRS measures. These measures are defined in our management discussion and analysis for the year-ended December 31, 2020, which can can be found on CDAR and on our website. Our md also includes reconciliations of non-IFRS measures to the most directly comparable IFRS measures. Management believes that these non-IFRS measures provide useful information to investors regarding the corporation's financial condition and results of operation as they provide additional key metrics of its performance. These non-IFRS measures are not recognized under IFRS, do not have any standardized meaning prescribed under IFRS, and may differ from similarly named measures as reported by other issuers, and accordingly may not be comparable. These measures should not be viewed as a substitute for the related information prepared in accordance with IFRS. With that, I will now turn the call over to Alexson. Thank you, Quentin, and good morning, everyone.
3: Let me first start by saying that despite unprecedented circumstances, I am really proud of our accomplishment in 2020. Thanks to dedication and resilience of our teams, we demonstrated our ability to rise to the challenge, the agility of our platform and the strength of our foundation. Above all, we ensured the safety of our employees while staying focused on our strategic objectives. Looking back at the last 12 months results, we are reporting solid year end results that are in line with our expectations. We maintain good margins and a healthy backlog and safeguarded our financial position. We also delivered above expectations in terms of adjusted EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA margin and DSO. Our ability to stay focused on our strategic objectives also materialized at the end of the year with the announcement of WSP agreement to acquire Golder, a global leader in earth sciences and environmental services with approximately 7,000 people together we are creating the leading global environmental consulting firm with approximately 14,000 of our 54,000 professionals, which will be dedicated to accelerating the world's green transition. In connection with the equity financing of the Gold acquisition, we establish long-term relationships with new strategic investors, being GIC, one of the world's largest sovereign wealth funds, and British Columbia Investment Management Corporation, one of Canada's largest institutional investors. As we are expecting the transaction to close in the first half of Q2, our current focus is planning for successful integration across functions and regions, and the smooth transitions for Golders people as they join the WSP family. Our combined strengths will uniquely position us on the rapidly growing ESG trends the driving demand for environmental services and sustainable infrastructure development and we are eager to start winning projects and working together. Additionally, on the MA front, we recently announced three strategic ac- acquisitions totaling approximately 500 people, bringing new client relationships, market leading positions and an increased geographic footprint in the United States. First, we acquired KW Mission Critical Engineering, which expands our complex building sector capabilities in the high growth data center and healthcare and science technology markets in the United States, while also significantly increasing our presence on the West Coast and providing a platform to expand our data center capabilities in Europe and in Asia with our global clients. We also acquired TK1, a mechanical electrical engineering firm based in Irvine, California, which reinforce our U.S. property and building business in the healthcare, science, and technology markets. Finally, this week, we just announced the acquisition of ERCON, which strengthened our capabilities in strategic environmental engineering and consulting services while further expanding our geographic presence uh, in southern uh, eastern United States. m and is an integral part of our strategy and so is our commitment to ESG. For example, at the beginning of the year, WSP became the first professional services firm in the Americas to secure sustainab- sustainability-linked terms for its syndicated credit facility. This year, We will be disclosing data using guidance from the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures or TCFD and the framework issued by the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board or SASB. And we are planning to update our climate ambitions to align with current science as we recently committed to align our future ambitions with science-based target initiatives or SBTI. We look forward to providing more details on our progress later in 2021. I would now like to highlight a few of the major wins during Q4 showcasing a sample of our expertise from across the globe. globe. Starting with a key win in the U.S., I am thrilled to share that we were just awarded a significant multi-year program management services contract with the U.S. Postal Service building on a 30 year established business relationship. Our team of seasoned professionals will support USPS in their strategy, which includes a focus on the retail of the future, as well as a variety of services to their delivery platform and systems across USPS 32,000 facilities nationwide to enhance the efficiency of their operation as they endow close to half of the world's mail volume. Moving on to Canada, at our Q3 2017 results presentation, I announced we had won the Centre Block Rehabilitation Project, and I am delighted today to announce the extension of this significant contract. This is not only our largest project in Canada, but also our largest buildings project in our portfolio. We expect our involvement will likely continue until at least 2028. Under this agreement, we have the responsibility to rehabilitate and expand the most recognized and valued building in Canada, Centre Block, the home of Parliament and the symbol of Canadian democracy. In addition to providing building engineering design services, a considerable part of our work relates to Earth and environmental science services including archeology, span designated substances, geotechnical and sustainability. As a flagship project for the Government of Canada, this project offers a unique opportunity to update and improve the sustainable performance of one of the most culturally significant sites in Canada. Shaping one of the most recognizable and symbolic Canadian buildings, the project will demonstrate leadership in alignment with the government's priority for low carbon and enhanced sustainable performance. Moving on the highly uh, growing uh, mission-critical market, we grew a pipeline with many, many data-centered projects wins during Q4 2020 in Norway, France, Switzerland, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, demonstrating yet again our global reach. The pandemic has accelerated a boom in the creation of new data center facilities to cope with the rising demand from online shopping, remote working, online education, and online events, among other things. Latest forecasts from research and markets predict that global data center construction will grow from 27 billion Canadian in 2020 to 36 billion Canadian by 2027. With the recently announced acquisition of KW Mission Critical Engineering, WSP is uniquely placed and positioned to further take advantage of this rapidly growing market. Combining KW expertise with WSP Global Footprint means we can now offer best-in-class mission critical services to our clients throughout the US and worldwide. We now have three centers of expertise in the US, UK, Hong Kong, having the ability to serve this market worldwide. We We are already seeing revenue synergies from KW in respect of their US clients investing in Europe and through increased capacity to lead the largest mission critical facility projects for cloud service providers. In summary, I am very pleased with the way we finished the year. In addition, we seized many opportunities in 2020 by completing key I'm sorry, strategic acquisitions, expanding our exposure to promising markets, and securing exciting projects. Alain will now review our financial results in more details and discuss our 2021 outlook. Alain, over to you.
4: Thanks, Alex. Uh, For the quarter, revenues and net revenue reached $2.2 billion and $1.7 billion, up 1.8% and down 4.1%, respectively, compared to Q4 2019. Organically, net revenues contracted 5.9% for the quarter. The increase in the the Americas, steaming from organic growth and acquisition growth, was offset by organic contraction in the other reportable segments. Revenues and net revenues for the year reach $8.8 billion and $6.9 billion, down 1.3% and 0.4% respectively compared to 2019. Organically, net revenues contracted 3.6% for the year in line with our expectation. Let's move on to profitability. For well, the fourth quarter, adjusted EBITDA uh, reached $262 million, Representing an adjusted EBITDA margin of 15.5%, compared to 15.1% in Q4 2019. The increase in margin is attributable to the Americas, APAC, and Canada reportable segments, partially offset by lower margin in India. For the full year, adjusted EBITDA reached 1.054 billion, up 16.9 million, or 1.6%. Compared to a billion thirty-seven million in 2019, adjusted a bit, thus slightly surpassed our expectation. Backlog as of December 31st, 2020 stood at 8.4 billion, representing 11.5 months of revenue. We're glad to report that our backlog grew organically in each of our reportable segments in 2020, representing an overall organic growth of 2.4%. Adjusted net earnings stood at 81 million or 71 cents per share in the fourth quarter of 2020 compared to 55 million or 52 cents per share in Q4 2019. The increase in these metrics are mainly attributable to the fact that in 2019, the write-off of leasehold improvements was taken following the renovation of our New York office. Adjusted net earnings stood at 339 million or $3.08 per share for the year end of December 31, 2020, compared to 306 million, or $2.91 per share, for the corresponding period in 2019. The increase in these metrics is attributable to higher EBITDA contribution and lower interest expense due to lower long-term debt. I will now review a few cash flow metrics. For the year, cash inflows from operating activities stood at 1.1 billion, compared to $814 million in 2019. Our free cash flow for the year came in at $735 million, a record high of 266% of our net earnings, well beyond our cash flow conversion target of 100%. Our day sales outstanding reached 63 days at the end of 2020, an 11-day improvement as compared to 2019. This improvement is mainly the result of our team continued focus on cash collection. Lastly, our net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio stands at 0.1, significantly lower than the 1.1 as of December 31st, 2019, due mainly to the repayment of a portion of our debt following strong free cash flow generated in 2020 and the equity financing completed during the second quarter. The net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio is expected to increase to approximately 1.3 following the closing of the Golder transaction. During the quarter, we also declare a dividend of 37, $0.37.5 cents per share for shareholders on record as of December 31, 2020, which was paid on January 15, 2021. With a 54.1% DRIP participation, the net cash outlay was $19.5 million. In conclusion, we've delivered on all of our 2020 Financial Outlook metrics issued in Q2 2020. I will now comment on the 2021 Financial Outlook, but before I do so, I'd like to remind you that the outlook for our anticipated 2021 performance is aimed at assisting analysts and shareholders in refining their perspective on our performance. It has been prepared based on foreign exchange rates, effective February 24, 2021. Also, please do bear in mind that we have not considered any acquisition, disposal or any other transaction that may occur after today's date except for the Golder transaction. We anticipate net revenues to be in the $7.5 to $8 billion range and to post organic growth in net revenues in the 2 to 5% range. We expect a different seasonality pattern in 2021 as we ramp up our workforce to adapt to gradually increasing demand into the second half of the year. We therefore anticipate low to mid single digit contraction in our net revenue for first quarter and sequential increases quarter over quarter for the rest of the year. Adjusted EBITDA is expected to range between 1.22 and 1.29 billion we also anticipate our quarter, quarterly adjusted EBITDA to range between 18% and 29% of the total annual adjusted EBITDA, with Q1 being the, lo- the lowest, excuse me, and Q3 the highest. Turning to tax, we expect our tax effective rate for fiscal 2021 to be in the range of 26 to 30%, and we anticipate net capital expenditures to range between 150 to $170 million. CAPEX mainly pertains to property and equipment and intangible assets, nets of proceeds from disposal and, le- and lease incentives received. Turning to debt, the corporation will continue to manage its capital structure to target a net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio between one and two. Lastly, we anticipate between $55 and $65 million in acquisition, integration and, and restructuring costs. And we also anticipate that head office costs will range between 90 and 100 million dollars in 2021. By reportable segment, we anticipate mid-single-digit organic growth in net revenues for Canada and the Americas and low to mid-single-digit organic growth for AMIA and APAC. This concludes my remark on that. Back to you, Alex.
5: Thank you Alain. And uh, Before opening the line for questions,
3: uh, I would like to thank our employees across the globe, our Board of Directors, as well as our clients and shoulders for their continued support during this unique year. Looking back at 2020, I'm proud of what we accomplished. We delivered on our financial objectives. We announced a highly strategic acquisition opening a world of possibilities and we set the stage for 2021, entering the year with confidence, supported by a strong financial position and a very healthy backlog. And as we start this year of our strategic cycle, we feel confident to meet the ambitions that we had set for ourselves in our 2019-2021 Global Strategic Plan. As such, our solid operating plan combined with the successful closing of the Golder transaction, will position us well to deliver on our ambitions to reach between 8 and $9 billion in net revenues and to exceed the higher, higher end of our projected EBITDA margin of 16%. Lastly, we also look forward to developing our 2022-2024 Global Strategic Plan. This will be a great opportunity for us to further embrace our ambitions. I would now like to open the
1: line for questions. As a reminder to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by, we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes to the line of Mona Nazir from Laurentian Bank. Your line is now open.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
6: Good morning, and thank you for taking my questions. Um, When I think about the business, your diversified strategy has fared well. You've had challenges in the past, and looking back a number of years ago, I remember Germany's performance was lower. Um, You changed the country head and second-in-command there following the focus acquisition uh, and the low oil price environment that followed, there was some right sizing about five years ago. But when I think about 2020, I feel like COVID challenges and macro headwinds seem to flow through to nearly all geographies. And so I'm just wondering, would that be a fair statement that 2020 has been your most challenging period? And then I understand that you took swift steps um, in right sizing the headcount, you know, largely in the back half of the year, I'm just wondering your confidence level that steps taken should alleviate headwinds and bring improvements from here and that surprises should be de minimis.
3: Good morning, uh, Mona. Uh, Good question. Look, it's uh, without a doubt, uh, this has been, uh, I'm not prepared to say it's been the most challenging, but uh, it's certainly high up there in terms of, 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 of challenging years, of course. You know, we started the year uh, with uh, you know, great ambitions, and, and very quickly we turned into Q2, revising our ambitions and say, look, we need to maintain our margin profile, and we need to safeguard our financial position at all costs. Uh, meanwhile, you know, while we were doing that, you know, we said uh, we need to have a, a longer view on this pandemic, and we need to take long-term measures to safeguard uh, the business and making sure that uh, we deliver the year. And you will, regal, you will recall, Mona, that <clears throat> at the beginning of the crisis, in the middle of the crisis, and I just reiterated for the third time now, you know, I said that uh, we were not prepared to revise our ambitions. Uh, our strategic plan, uh, in my mind, uh, the underlying principle of the strategic plan and the strategic cycle were very relevant with or without the pandemic and the marching order within the business is we're going to remain uh, resilient and we're going to deliver on that plan. And what I said this morning is I feel very confident now uh, assuming that you know 2021 is progressing the way we believe it will progress and combine this with the closing of Golder, that you know we will uh, not only meet most of our if not all of our financial ambitions but um, on EBITDA margin will exceed them. So uh, yes, it's been challenging, but what I'm proud of is, uh, you know, we didn't wait for the events to dictate our action. Uh, you know, I feel that we uh, dictated actions um, uh, uh, ahead of what was happening. And I feel that the team was very agile uh, and very proactive. And, and that's why I feel we are in a, in a very good position. And if I could add to that as well, that yes. You know, uh, know, the the we've had um, relatively low organic growth contraction for the year, but on net revenue combined with the acquisition growth, we finished the year flat. This is this is a great uh, outcome, I believe, when you look back over 12 months. And on top of it, uh, you know, our backlog grew uh, organically in a in a very very challenging year. So so I look at the year 2020 which was the second year of a three-year cycle. Uh, I look at the, the work that was awarded. I look at the way we reshape the business. Uh, and I look at um, you know, the uh, acquisition that we announced on December 4th, which we haven't benefited from yet. Uh, and I, I'm just looking in the future and, and I have to admit that I am cautiously optimistic, but also very excited.
6: That's great. Thank you. I just have one more question given the number of participants. Um, I understand that the Golder acquisition has not yet closed, but when I think about your leverage, nearly non-existent leverage at year end and what Golder does to the balance sheet, there's significant dry powder available. I'm just wondering, you know, Golder does achieve some of this three-year three strategic plan targets, but I'm wondering about a near-term larger size acquisition. And ultimately, do you have any desire to be on another conference call going through uh you know another large significant transaction
3: look Mona, i mean uh, you know me and you know w s p of course we've uh, you know if we can be opportunistic and if i believe we can show we can create shoulder value uh you know we uh, this management team doesn't work in uh, in sequence, we work in parallel. <laughs> so uh, so if there's a way for us to create shoulder value, uh, you can rest assured that uh, we'll work towards that goal. Uh, having said all that, you know, we, we, we essentially announced this transaction on December 4th. We haven't closed the transaction yet. And right now what I am busy doing is really to engage uh, with our people at WSP, but also where possible, engage with the people uh, at Golder to really uh, make this a real success. Uh, I, I feel that personally, uh, and, and I, I can vouch for that now even more than in this Dece- on December 4th. You know, uh, the, the amount of of collaboration that uh, I believe we'll have between the two uh, workforce will be. Uh, will would be quite extraordinary and and I actually believe that that we will be in a position to create a lot of revenue synergies together so so I think our focus right now, my focus certainly is really to make sure that uh, this integration is a success, uh, and I want also to make sure that we deliver a good operating year uh, and a good operating plan for our shoulders. But as you know, those deals don't happen overnight. You need to entertain discussions. You need to have informal discussions, more more formal discussions. And and as I said to my board this week, um, you know, uh, I cannot take a, a step ba- a step back and and wait a year to entertain discussions again. Uh, I have to, uh, to to keep going. And if uh, there is a possibility to create value, uh, certainly I think we have now. The balance sheet to do that um, and, and i'll leave it to, to that at the moment
6: that's great color i'll leave it there thank you your
1: next question comes to the line of jacob bout from cibc your line is now open
7: good morning
3: hello uh jacob
1: it
7: just had a question so um on your uh implied EBITDA margin guidance um, so the number that I'm backing into the midpoint is uh, 16.2%. So, you know, um, a meaningful step up from from 2020. And and so so golder does provide a lift, but that's you know pretty much second half. Talk about you know some of the buckets of what else is is driving this.
3: I'd say Jacob, we are. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start by saying that has nothing to do with uh, reduced footprint. And uh, floor footprint. Uh, I just want to get this out uh, of the way right away. If we were to reduce our footprint, this would be beyond and above what uh, we are we are we are guiding right now. Um, <clears throat> and and might as well addressing that now before I, I get the question. Um, you know, I believe it is premature, as far as I'm concerned, to announce a whatever percentage of, of reduced footprint. Um, you know, I care about our culture. I care about our brand, and uh, I think that, uh, and and I care about our young professionals, and they need guidance and leadership. And, uh, and, and And in my personal opinion, uh, announcing now with a pandemic not done yet, uh, you know, a significant reduce uh, uh, footprint for employees. I I, I think it, it's not my strategy. I tend to be contrarian anyway. And uh, I'll wait and see uh, to, to determine what's best for employees and our clients uh, before before making a call. So, so the reason why I believe we've seen a, a strong margin improvement is over the last few years, Jacob. We uh, we work extremely hard, uh, and over the last five years, we've worked extremely hard to work on many many levers to increase our margin profile. And frankly. Uh, in the last five years, we've increased our margin profile by 20%. This is not the minimus. Uh, it's part of our DNA. We've always been like that. And, and certainly where we are pushing the hardest right now, of course, with the exception, w- w- in addition to cost optimization uh, around our corporate costs, we are making tremendous effort around the digitalization of our services, making tremendous effort uh, in 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 having a better project managers, attracting the best talent in the industry, to deliver better project. The heart of what we do is to deliver good project, uh, you know, at, at the lowest cost possible. And and certainly, if I look at utilization, if I look at technology, if I look at project delivery, I'd say that that's where we made most uh, of, of our effort. And it's certainly paying off, and, uh, and I certainly have no intention to stop there. We're going to continue to work hard to, to try to increase our, our margin profile in the years to come.
7: So, so ultimately, where do you think you can get with EBIT with margin?
3: Let's discuss this when we announce our next plan. Uh, obviously, I will take the next few months uh, to work with the team. Our clients, our investor base actually, to determine where where we want to take the company forward. But if your question is, do I still see some uh, margin uh, improvement potential? The answer is yes.
7: Okay. My second question is when we look at um, net revenue as a percentage of, of overall revenues, um, you know, dropped in fourth quarter uh, this year versus fourth quarter last year. Um, you know, increased sub-consultants typically buried in there. Um, how should we think about that on a go-forward basis? Is this a one-off or, or you know, what's going on? You now?
3: talk You talk about the organic contraction? No, I'm
7: talking about uh, net revenues as a percentage of, of overall uh, revenues.
3: Yeah. Elaine, you want to take this one up? Sure.
4: Um, so you're right in Q4, we see um, – Although we see a contraction of our net revenue when you look at it, um, when you look at it at the gross revenue level, um, it's essentially flat or there's less contraction. so there's an increased level of subconsultant use. Uh, it's just a, a question of mix, uh, Jacob. It's, uh, there's nothing much to read into this. I, I, I think the one of the key takeaway is that when you look at the, the portfolio of project we manage and the volume of work that we generate, looking at it, uh, at the gross level, we, you know, we've seen a, a good level of work, and I think on Q4 we're, you know, we're 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 pleased where we ended the year, um, and um, it, it's a variety of reasons on specific project. It comes mostly from the U.S., but there's there's not nothing specific to read from this uh, from this situation on a go forward basis.
7: All right, thank you very much. I'll leave it there.
4: Thanks, Jacob.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Yuri Link from Canaccord. Your line is now open.
2: Hey, good morning, guys. Hello,
4: Yuri. Um, hi. Good morning.
7: Morning, um, Alex. Just wondering if you can uh, touch on uh, what you're seeing
3: from your from your clients in terms of their their willingness to uh, move forward with with projects, um, specifically in, in the U.S. Maybe on the federal side. Wondering if the election has caused any pause in the near term and and uh, perhaps might lead to a a better uh, second half if some of the spending measures come through. Just updated thoughts there. Yeah, Uh, Yuri, I think, you know, and it's something I haven't addressed in in, in my commentary, but certainly, you know, if you look at the UK, for instance, uh, the bidding activity has never been so good. Uh, in recent years, we need to remember the UK is is coming off a a very tough two, three years uh, with Brexit, with elections, with the uh, the cooling off of the the private sector a few years ago. Uh, I look at January, uh, for instance, the month of January for us uh, was slightly better than expected across all of our regions. And uh, the bidding activity is better than what we were all anticipating in the UK, for instance. Now that your question was more directed to, to the U.S., I just talked about the U.S. postal office and uh, postal client that, that we have. It's a relationship that we've had for 30 years. This is a, you know, a um, 500 to 600 million U.S. job that we were just awarded. And that is not included in the Q4 backlog, so I don't see any uh, major delays in project, uh, and I see actually a, posit- a positive uh, outlook uh, as it relates to the U.S. and, and certainly the Biden the Biden uh, uh, election. Uh, as you can imagine, when uh, I consum- we consummated this transaction and work to complete this transaction. Uh, you know, we didn't do this uh, with, with Biden being elected in mind, uh, but it's it's fair to say that it's, it was a very good timing for us. And and sometimes you, you need luck in life. And I feel that our our investment was quite timely, uh, and the timing was quite good. So so of course uh, I feel good about the the momentum in North in North America. So. Okay,
7: that's helpful. Um, Alain, maybe just a, a nitpicky one for you on the on the
3: guidance. Um, the, the the wage subsidy was a pretty big component in Q4. Just wondering uh, what, if anything, is in your EBITDA
4: guidance on the wage subsidy side. We don't anticipate anything, um, Jacob. So there's none none in the guidance. Yuri. Yuri. <laughs> Yuri. Sorry. That's okay. I've been called. Well. All right. So <laughs>
5: <laughs> I'm
4: sorry about that.
5: Yeah, but there's nothing okay. In there. Okay. Is
8: that because you don't anticipate getting anything in, in Q one or or you're just taking a conservative approach?
4: We 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 don't anticipate. You know, there might be small small amount here and there, but there's there's certainly nothing large that we see um on the horizon.
2: Okay. I'll turn it over. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Benoit Poirier from Desjardins Capital. Your line is now open.
9: Hi, Good morning, everyone, and congrats for the the strong finish toward 2020. Uh, Just in terms of M&A, obviously, Golder provides you a great uh, ESG photo, but now looking forward, are there any geographic areas or expertise you would look uh, at in terms of M&A now that Golder provides you a, a great uh, foothold on the ESG front?
3: Look, Benoit, I mean, uh, if any, I think the last four or five acquisitions we've announced, or three or four, <laughs> we've announced since December 4th, we've added another 500 people. Uh, you know, uh, and I mentioned it in prior calls, uh, I think I, I see the investment community making, I believe, uh, general statements, and they tend to overgeneralize, they they tend, in my personal opinion, to to overgeneralize the idea that uh, the building sector is going to be a tough sector for for years to come. Uh, If you're smart about it, I see incredible opportunities in the building sector, and that's why we, we are now aggressively growing our mission critical data center expertise and uh, now we have three centers of excellence in the uk in the us and in hong kong and we are now working uh as a team uh with the largest uh you know tech firm in the world uh, without m- naming names I, I think you can name the true or four that uh, i'm thinking about mm-hmm. and we work with all of them and we follow them globally uh and and you look at uh, what uh, the work, the remote work has done, and the need for cloud computing, and uh, I think we, we are seeing some opportunities there. So, so clearly, uh, as I said before, Benoit, we don't think in sequence; we think in parallel. And, and while I was very focused uh, in, in creating the leading firm in you know in earth sciences and environmental consulting. You know we're not taking a break on other end markets, and we're going to continue to capitalize on our strengths on those. So, so clearly there's so much room and headways for us to grow uh, in the U.S., in Europe, uh, and even in Asia Pacific. So, so uh, I feel I I feel quite good that we'll find the right opportunities to continue to strengthen our platform.
9: Okay, that's great, caller. And to come back on the potential opportunity coming out from the US election i would be curious to to get more color about the uh, the, the timing and uh, wondering if you have all the uh, the capacity to deal with this uh, great opportunity or we should expect that count probably to increase in uh, in the US at one point in time uh, alex
3: well i think benoit this should not come as a surprise to our investor base that you know, we expect uh, a slower Q1 uh, with you know, a ramp up in Q2, Q2, Q3, and Q4 for a variety of different reasons, right? You know, Q1 last year, the pandemic had not hit. So, of course, we're going to be comparing to, to, to higher standards. But uh, indeed, you are right that uh, I expect you know, a ramp up in headcount as we progress uh, in the year. And again, to add to the the point or question that you just made, uh, if the question or indirect question was, uh, did we include and incorporated uh, the potential uh, uplift that the Biden election would provide to to the market and our platform? The answer is no. Uh, It was too late in the game for us to incorporate that. And frankly, uh, I don't tend to take political events as as, as upside. You never quite know. So uh, we focus on what uh, we control. And what we control is the conversion of our backlog and our win rate. And, and I'm very pleased about that. So that's okay. essentially what, what we're going to be doing. Okay, uh,
9: that's great color And last one for Alain, in terms of net capex, obviously the envelope is 150 to 170. Uh, and you finish 2020 with a number that was below uh, what was targeted previously. So I was just wondering if you could provide some color on whether there are some catch-up versus the amount that was not spent in 2020, or is it uh, probably it reflects a portion toward Golder, and if we can use the 150 to 170 as a good base
4: going forward? Yeah, no, Benoit, it's, uh, it's a good base going forward. For sure, there's, there's a little bit of, of everything you've said in, um, in the answer. It's, uh, it's catching up uh, on some spending, and Golder is included in there as well. Um, so that's, um, that's a good, good, uh, good way of looking at what to expect uh, next year. Yeah.
9: Okay.
1: Th- thank you very much for the time. Thanks, Benoit.
4: Thank you,
3: Benoit.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Michael Tuform from TD Securities. Your line is now open.
8: Thanks. Good morning, Alex and Ali. Hello, Michael. Hi. Um, my first question is about Golder, and uh, I know you reiterated the timing for expected closing in um, in the materials you've put out. It's consistent with what you what you originally uh, talked about. But I'm just wondering if um, there is any update, just in terms of. Status of approvals or any other uh, any other aspects of the transactions you work toward closing, and then as a follow-on to that, um, wanted you know I, I know you can't formally begin the integration process until the acquisition closes, but uh, also hoping to get your thoughts uh, now that you've had a few more months to think about the the, uh, the transaction, thoughts on integration and and also Alex, you had mentioned you know you're feeling better about cross-selling. Uh, benefits and, and potential cross-selling synergies. Any any further details on that front?
3: I'll uh, I'll let Alain answer. You know the uh, you know the, the first sub question around closing, and then I can pick up after Michael.
4: Yeah. So Michael, on, on the regulatory appro on the regulatory approval uh, question, uh, things are progressing well. You know, no no red flags, and it's. Uh, as expected, so we're still um, expecting to close uh, the transaction in the first half of, of Q2. Uh, so that, that's the, the status. It's no red flags.
3: So yeah, uh, I, I think we we are working uh, with with the deadline we provided in December in mind, and, and hopefully by the time we speak next, uh, uh, the, the transaction will will be behind us. At least the closing of it, uh, Michael. Uh, as it relates to integration, of course, until we're we're close and we have regulatory approval, we have to be mindful michael of of uh, from a competitive point of view to to not share sensitive uh, information so so you'll understand that uh, you know we we are both firms are are quite careful about that. Having said all that, of course, you know we've had uh, we've had a, a number of discussions around operation, uh, around leadership, uh, around, you know, of course, when you do a due diligence, uh, you know, you, you you draw overall conclusion on, on the potential synergistic benefits, uh, and also the, the potential duplication on, on clients. But once the dust settle and you have the time to breathe a little bit, uh, you take a closer look of it. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm quite uh, excited. Uh, by the combination of the footprint, uh, I, I look at, at Canada, for instance. Uh, you know, we are we are you know a driving force in the province of Quebec. They are a driving force out west. Uh, together in in Ontario, the combined forces will will make us the undisputed number one, which I'm extremely excited by. Um, you look at the leadership as well, and the way things are 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 essentially folding together. Uh, I'd say that right now, for instance, the plan around integration in Canada is, is essentially very, very well advanced. And this is perhaps the biggest integration we have to do in the group. So I'd say that that, as far as I'm concerned, is essentially de-risk. Uh, and and uh, in the US, we're probably uh, you know 80% there. Uh, in Australia, you know, which is next, I believe in the next few, few weeks, uh, will be in, in a fairly good place. And of course, in Europe, Golder has a, a smaller size presence, but I see tremendous opportunities. They have a, a strong team in Sweden. Uh, we are one of the largest in Sweden. And they are bringing to the table an incredible uh, mining team in London, which will be you know, uh, we, we'll all tag along very well with our UK business, which is essentially doing nothing uh, around mining. So, so I look at this and I feel that the integration is 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 doing well under the leadership of uh, Andre Martin, Tom Logan, the Chief Operating Officer of Golder. And then when I look at, uh, I've done enough acquisition, Michael, to know when you know the 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 recipient of the news are, are welcoming the news uh, or not and, and I, I can tell you that there is uh, tremendous excitement on both sides uh, of of you know of this transaction and I know when you feel it when employees are, are definitely looking forward to start engaging with the other side uh, to start working on projects. You know I, I mentioned it in, on December 4th on our analyst call that I think we will be able to bring Golder on an infrastructure project and if you take uh, mining for instance, uh, of course uh, Golder is the leading firm in underground underground design uh, around the world, especially in the mining sector, but they have very limited capabilities around all of the capex and the infrastructure outside of or above ground uh, on the mining sector and that's one of our strengths. So, so if we can access those Fortune 500 clients, I am confident uh, that uh, you know, we're going to be able to drive a, a lot of good uh, synergistic benefits. And on top of it, I'd finish by saying that, you, know, you never quite know what the client's reaction will be until you announce, right? Uh, and uh, I don't think I can think of one client who said that this was not good news for them. I feel that the combination of the two firms together will be able to expand the scope of services and will be able to better serve their clients and, and our clients. So, so look, uh, uh, these are only words and now we have to deliver for you, but uh, I think this is a good start.
8: Okay, that's very helpful, thank you. Um, and then just in terms of uh, my second question, I wanted to ask about um, a question, I guess, related to the organic growth uh, expectations you've put out there of 2 to 5% for 2021. Uh, Part of that is predicated on your ability to ramp up your headcount in certain regions uh, where, I guess, headcount has come down in in certain instances. So you want to ramp that back up to achieve that growth. I'm just wondering about... um, your comfort level with your ability to hire and, and attract employees in the past—you've talked about how competitive it is—and uh, I mean, I, I suspect you know you feel comfortable because you put the guidance out there. But but just any thoughts around, um, you know, your ability to attract the talent you need?
3: Yeah. Look, I, what I'm going to tell you—I told our board this week. Uh, unlike many, you know, unlike years of you know, on the back of of a recessionary period, I mean. I look back at the last 10, 12 years since I joined this firm and, and uh, this, is, this is unique circumstances uh, in the sense that we saw our backlog growing. Uh, and as I said, you know, the center block assignment, which is, uh, you know, I, you know a, a huge, a big project, Michael. And then I take US Postal, which is another very, very large uh, project that are not even in our backlog uh, in Q4. And I look at our backlog and I I sense that we have the backlog uh, to generate that organic growth without a doubt. And the problem is not the backlog. The problem (laughs) is to convert that backlog in revenue by hiring people. And given that we've been uh, more than a year at home, obviously hiring, uh, it's, it's always been, uh, you know, in the back of my mind. And obviously, uh, before putting those guidance together, uh, we spend extensive time talking about, you know, our capabilities and 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 our confidence and ramping up and hiring and hiring the right individuals and the people to deliver that backlog. And and this is perhaps the end result of of you know in our conclusion around uh, what we think we can do. So so. In this instance, and I don't know if you've heard it from others, but as far as I'm concerned, my personal opinion, the problem is not the backlog. It's to make sure that we have the people to deliver it. So, uh, And I feel we have a very good plan around that. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, when I meet with a global operating team on a, on a weekly basis, the first question I ask is, where, where are we in ramping up the workforce? So so it's good news in, in some ways, very good news. Uh, you know, you are right, and I believe that's you know the, the right question to to ask the team. You know, are you are you able to ramp up? And that's certainly what we are spending most of our time doing right now.
8: Okay. Thanks very much for all the detail.
3: Okay. Thanks.
1: Your next question comes to the line of Frederic Bastier from Raymond James. Your line is now open.
10: Hi. Good morning.
5: Bonjour. Bonjour.
10: Hey, guys, you, you've clearly demonstrated uh, year-to-date that the large Golder deal isn't stopping you or, uh, or your U.S. operations from rolling up small and specialized companies. Um, and, and Given that the Golder integration shouldn't be too much of a distraction uh, for your leadership teams in, in the uh, EMEIA and APAC segments, can you comment on their readiness for, um, for tuck-ins on their end?
3: Yeah, I, t- I think we we, we are ready, uh, in the right circumstances. Uh, I think clearly the team in Europe would be ready. And you are right in saying, Frederick, that uh, you know this will have limited impact on on the EMEA team. Having said all that, you know I don't feel we have a gun on our head. You know I think I've been saying for as long as I can remember that we would like to grow our Central European presence. Uh, but right now, I think we haven't found uh, the right partner, and and until such time uh, that we find that right partner, you know, we're going to remain very disciplined and, and continue to deliver on on what we have, and we have a, a very good business. So so we'll we'll continue to, to drive our, our operation, and and one day, if 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 the opportunity presents itself, you know, we certainly would like to address this. You know, you know this is a big uh, you know, big population when you look at the pool in Central Europe, and if we were in a position to grow it, we would.
10: And do, the, do you share the same comments for uh, the APAC region?:
3: Yeah, although the APAC region, uh, Frederick, the uh, integration of Golders is, is is by you know on a relative scale basis, we're adding a thousand people, so it is uh, transformative for the region. So uh, unlike the India region, this is going to be a bit a more sizable integration than it would be on a relative scale basis, for instance, for the U.S. So, so we have to be mindful of that. Uh, but again, uh, you know, we, we're going to remain opportunistic. And if, if there is an opportunity and we feel that it's the right opportunity, we will certainly going to look at it.
10: Okay, that's, that's very helpful caller, thanks. Um, and Maybe building on that, can we get a sense of the multiples you're now being asked to pay for, for tokens like EarthCon and KWMC? I'm not going to try to pronounce the third one, but uh, are you seeing upward pressure because <laughs> of increased competition or is actually the pandemic, uh, on the contrary, alleviating some of that pressure?
3: Uh, I'd, I'd say all in all, um we are paying multiples uh that are essentially in line with pre pandemic uh um, you know pre pandemic multiples essentially, if that makes sense for those stuck in.
10: Yeah, no it does make sense. Just wondering what you know what's the uh the puts and takes behind mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, if you had more color, but that's that's fine. Thank you. Okay,
3: thank you, Frederick.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Sabahat Khan from RBC Capital Markets. Your line is now open.
5: Uh, thanks, and good morning. <clears throat> uh, just uh, on a commentary around bringing some of the, or adding employees over the course of this year, I guess what proportion of that is bringing back folks that you maybe sent home last year, and what proportion is looking for new people? And can you really comment on just what you've found is it Fairly easy. Is there enough good talent out there while people are at home? Just some comments on how that's going. Uh,
3: I I think you know good firms attracts good people. Uh, so uh, so we're certainly I'm not going to sit here finding excuses that we can't hire. Uh, I just don't think it would be very cur- credible. Uh, so you know we need to find ways and we need to be creative in the way we we attract. Are uh, professionals, and and I'm confident that uh, if we put the right focus and the right attention to to these initiatives, we will be able to to ramp up. Uh, so, as it relates to uh, bringing back uh, people uh, to the firm, uh, you know, in, in some instances, and actually in many instances, I, I see that as, as positive news to welcome uh, old colleagues back. To uh, their home, so so if we are in a position to do that, and if uh, there's a willingness to do that, of course, uh, you know, we will explore that uh, as as it relates to to uh, colleagues that were part of the firm in the past.
5: Okay, and then your the comment earlier around the activity levels being better than expected through January, is that. Yeah, I guess is the increased activity levels. Do you think related more to increasing confidence as the vaccine rollouts continue, more or better visibility, or is it some of the dollars that some regions have announced towards infrastructure and so forth being put to use? Just some color
3: No, I'd say it's just the continu- continuity of what we have seen uh, in at the end of Q4. It's almost like uh, And and frankly, it's it's perhaps, hopefully, hopefully, I don't have a crystal ball, hopefully it's gonna be the reversal of 2019, Uh, uh, 2020, I'm sorry, January 2020, I remember how we finished 2019. And I was like, okay, what will 2020 look like with or without a pandemic, frankly? The year, the way we had finished 2019, I was slightly concerned on, you know, the velocity and the traction uh, in the business. And it turned it turned out to be worse than I was anticipating. Obviously, in 2020, now it's probably the reversal. Uh, I look at the way uh, we we finished Q4, and I said, okay, good traction. And then when uh, I sat down with our leaders, and LA and I sat down with our leaders a few weeks ago, looking at the results for January, you know, the the team felt fairly upbeat uh, about about January. So. Fingers crossed. Of course, who knows uh, what life will look like six, seven, eight months from now. But right now, I think the team is fairly this fa- is, is is feeling cautiously optimistic.
5: Okay, thanks. And just one last one for me. I guess your comment around the buildings and market and some of the pessimism you might be hearing um, in the investment community. I guess can maybe provide a little bit of color on. You know, is it some of the new work in buildings? Is it you know things like data centers, healthcare that giving you some encouragement looking ahead? Is it some reasons or do you expect generally that, you know, at some point in the future we'll be back in that end market to pre-pandemic levels, just what you're seeing on the ground there globally? Uh,
3: sorry, can you repeat a question? It was breaking up for, for a second. Oh, sorry. Yep.
5: Mm-hmm. It's more about the your commentary on the buildings end market and you're being a bit more positive there looking ahead. Is there positive commentary or just more optimism related to you know some of these new demand areas within buildings that are starting up mm-hmm. is there you know certain regions where are you seeing the optimism i guess on the ground
3: uh, well, i I'd say uh, we we say you know uh, a lot of optimism you know uh, the digital revolution will bring its shares of of uh of opportunities for w s p you know when you talk about commercial real estate, you know that we are one of the largest m e p firm in the world, so uh, as our clients are rethinking, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the redesign essentially of the floor plant. And we've seen many of our, uh, of our competing firms announcing 30% uh, floor plant reduction. Well, that's a real opportunity for us. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to redesign all, all of those floor plants around the world. And, and I see that as a real opportunity. So, so uh, that, you know, for, for building will, will be good news. Clearly, uh, am I expecting, you know, uh, you know, many high rise to be built this year, the answer or design the answer is probably no, but then on the refurbishing or the redesigning of, of the workplace of, of tomorrow, I think I, I see great opportunity, healthcare, uh, we need, already need to prepare for the next pandemic, you know, WSP now with their recent acquisitions in recent years, we are, uh, one, if not the leading firm design firm in the healthcare sector in the u s then I just talked about uh you know the mission critical work uh data centers uh, uh, master planning and digital advisory or urban master planning and and digital advisory work that uh we have started to conduct and will continue to conduct as we rethink the the world of tomorrow so uh the beauty, I believe, of, of, of our firm is that, uh, you know, and I've said that in the past, and I don't know if you you heard me saying it. So I will repeat it again. But, but typically, uh, consultants tend to do extremely well in times of of huge catalyst. You know, in in a in a slow growth market, uh, typically clients will not call their advisors uh, to assist. Uh, they will be able to do it in-house. They will be able to manage the growth. But when there's a huge catalyst in the market or a huge disruptor, that's when clients will call upon their advisor, their trusted advisors, to assist in orchestrating the change. So so in good time and bad time, uh, I see WSP uh, you know, in a situation of a huge catalyst to be in a position to assist clients. So, um, So yeah, there will be some, some, some bumps in the road, uh, perhaps on commercial real estate, for instance. But then you turn and look at, at the, the huge opportunities that, and I'm saying that with, with, with all due respect, you know, and, uh, and certainly uh, we, we were not hoping for a pandemic, frankly. But when, those, uh, when, when, when something like that happens, uh, I see this as a real opportunity for, for us to assist our clients in, in orchestrating the change. Uh, that that they will have to orchestrate, and 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 that's you know the beauty of being a, a consultant and having the expertise to assist, essentially.
5: Great, thanks very much for that color.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Dmitri Kemelnitsky from Veritas. Your line is now open.
5: Yes. Hi, bonjour, uh, Alain, Alex, and Quintian.
4: and thanks for taking uh-huh. the question. Um, Hey, Dimitri. uh, Hey, uh, again, thanks for taking the question. So uh, just to uh, dig deeper into the um, acquisition and restructuring costs, can you perhaps break that down between the portion uh, related to, and I'm talking about the 2021 guidance, uh, the portion related to gold and other deals uh, uh, that you have already announced uh, versus the internal cost realignment? Um, in terms of what we've seen in 2020.
3: Yeah. Dimitri, the vast, vast majority of those costs are related to acquisition and, and transaction costs.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. That's it for me.
3: Okay. Thank you, Dimitri.
2: Your next
1: question comes to the line of Maxim Sinchev from National Bank Financial. Your line is now open.
5: Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello, Max. Hey, Max. Um, just a, a quick question, because most of them have been answered. Um, when we look at,
4: um, obviously, the news flow around uh, the transit projects, I mean, it seems to me there's no huge change in terms of uh, government's you know, commitment to these verticals. But I'm just wondering if uh, you don't mind providing a couple of maybe key points in terms of what you're hearing from, from the clients directly on, on the space. Thanks.
3: And sorry, Max, you said around transit? Correct, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think just closer to us here in, in Montreal, you know, that our talks about the the, set, the second RAM line that uh, uh, will be procured in the, in the next year or two, which will present, you know, probably a, a bigger spent, frankly, than the first one. Uh, so uh, I, I don't see... You know, we hear about t- Texas High speed Rail, you know, essentially a, a, a replica of what's happening in, in California. So HS2, the work continue in, in, in the UK. So, so I frankly, I, I don't see this stopping anytime soon. To the contrary, the mobility of, of, of the people around cities uh, will become increasingly important. Okay, yeah,
4: no, agreed.
5: And just wanted to, to hear this from you as well. Uh, that's it for me, okay. thank you so much.
3: Thank you, Max.
1: There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call back over to the presenters.
3: Well, thank you for attending this call today. Thank you for the great questions. I think it's, it's generating a, a lot of, of good, uh, uh, good uh, discussion. Uh, we look forward to updating you as we are progressing the year, and um, uh, I would like to wish you a good day and talk soon.
0: See you next time. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card